Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. topic today is uh, how to set up a sales process for your property management company. I think the timing is good for us to um, help you put together the sales process so you can compete effectively and take advantage of every possible owner lead that comes into your company. Now, you don't really have to have any sort of specific tools to manage the sales process. Granted, there are specific CRM systems, and my guest is actually one of the creators uh, for property management CRM system. So his talents are all in the sales process and automating the sales process. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about putting the sales process together for you in a way that you can run it on the back of the napkin, right, or on a notepad. Uh, just have a firm process in place for you to close leads, and then if you choose to automate it later, that's fine. Um, so with that, let me introduce my guest and co-host. He's called Jordan Muella. And uh, Jordan, how are you today? I am doing fantastic here, live in person at the Four and a Half offices, and thrilled to be here, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh yeah, I forgot to say uh, thanks. Uh, thanks. For that. We are actually at our offices in our little studio here doing the live podcast. So. Um, Let's see how we, uh, how we where we go from here. So, let's talk about the first stage of the sales process. Let's dive right in, right? So, initially, when that lead comes in, um, whether it's an email lead or a phone call, what's the most important thing that needs to be done, Jordan? Discovery, 100%, right out of the gate. You actually need to engage with people and to control yourself and not just begin by talking uh, 100 miles an hour about yourself and what you do, but actually start the listening process, asking questions. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. So this is one of my pet peeves and one of the reasons why as a salesman, um, you know, as a professional salesman all my life, I've been extremely successful in just about every career um, and every and, and any product I've sold over the lifetime. It's, it's not because I'm such a great talker or I'm such a sweet guy. None of these are actually true. <laughs> but it is about the fact that I ask good questions, I listen, and I listen with attention and intent to be able to dig a little deeper and ask a few more questions and really understand the pain point and the problem. Um, you know, if you're leading with a discount, you're already lost. So you might as well um, just chuck that lead into a um, hopefully nurturing or lost because, you know, uh, uh, people don't buy based on price necessarily. They say they care about your fees because they don't know what questions to ask. Uh, and discovery phase is where you connect with them emotionally um, and, and, and help them uncover their true pain points and address this, this for them. 
Um, Jordan, but I was actually surprised you went into discovery because that's kind of key. But your main thing is, and my main thing is, actually, we got to get people on the phone first. So oh, yeah, absolutely. The response yeah. time, right? Tell me more about response time. So this is before discovery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's right. I mean, the most basic thing is just actually getting somebody on the phone and doing it as quickly as possible. The, the reality is that they're across the board are very slow response times in this industry. As with every other research we've done indicates that the average response time within the property management industry is 39 hours, which is a mind-blowing and very depressing stat. And what, what you say when, or you hear rather, when you talk to people about that, nobody really owns that number. Everybody indicates that they respond quickly. But one thing that I tell people is responding quickly is not the goal. The goal is being first. The goal is being the first person to have that conversation, to frame the issue, to establish the relationship, and to close the sale. Gotcha. That is exactly right. So let me just kind of take a step back and set the, set the stage on a macroeconomic level. I love it because I just read some in-depth uh, reports on the property management, on the status of the property management industry and where it's going. And combined with my knowledge and experience in the industry, which is years, you know, more like eight, um, I see a clear path for growth, right, for property management companies. The, the people want to rent, they don't want to buy, they want to move around, they want to move where opportunity and jobs are. So the bottom line is the property management is getting very, um, is growing, it's getting very popular and profitable, but there's a lot more people competing for the uh, management contracts because, you know, it's, it became more attractive. There are more buyers, there's going to be always more uh, operators. So with that, the sales process setup is crucial and I think it's some to some extent I mean accounting has to be the first thing you systemize in your business you don't have you don't have grasps on trust accounting then you are you're not in compliance um, the next thing you need to systemize is your sales process let me repeat that accounting then the sales process you don't need to um, I, I don't think anything else will bring you in as much value as putting those two pieces together first before you start and look into, uh, and I'm sorry to say for these other companies, the inspection software, you start looking at uh, um, even marketing, you start looking at other things, those are secondary. Accounting, sales process, then you move on. So let's let's get back into where we were. So Did Alex, you know, I think that makes so much sense. And I think to some people that sounds backwards. I feel like some people have this gut reaction of, well, structuring my sales process, that's a great idea, but I got to get the leads first. But what we both know is that the truth is, if you're getting those leads and they're going into a black hole of no follow-up, no good sales process, not only are you going to be wasting your money, but any lead source you try is going to appear to not work. So it definitely is one of those kind of first order of business type things. I completely agree. Yep, with you on that. And here's what happens. I was the only salesman at four and a half for three years. Um, and we saved a lot of money by not having to hire salespeople. Instead, we hired you know very smart people who can actually you know help our customers build the product and such. And I was the salesperson in the company, and I'm proud of it. But guess what? Even me, myself, with only myself, you know, part of my job as a CEO is sales, right? The rest is running the organization, growing, you know, uh, uh, building the team, uh, R&D, and all the other things that come along with uh, um, running a company. The only way I could do it successfully, and I've done it successfully, is through the sales process, uh, concrete, solid sales process. So you may question, like, I'm the only guy selling. Why do I need a sales process? You absolutely do. Otherwise, you, you know, things going to slip. You're not going to grow. You're not going to grow as fast. So sales process for one is as important as sales process for 10, okay? Because at one, you're not going to get to 10 without the sales process. So I think we've convinced you enough at this point. 
So uh, you and I were on discovery. Do you have any other suggestions or specific techniques for discovery stage? Jordan? Sure. So when I think about discovery, one of the things that we're talking about here is qualification. When you talk about sales qualification, what comes up a lot of times in kind of the, the B2B marketplace is the acronym BANT, which stands for Budget, Authority, Need, and Timeline. And it's just a handy thing to remember, BANT. So going into those budget, can this person afford it? Uh, for example, are they underwater on their mortgage and they can't afford to hire a property manager? Authority, do they actually own the home? Are they in a position to actually uh, execute this, this decision? Need, are they a good fit? Do they have some crazy requirement about the kind of tenants that they're looking for? Are they going to be, are they issuing uh, problematic behavior that's kind of a red flag? And, and beyond that, what are their pain points? When we're going through this qualification process, we're trying to understand at an emotional level what is driving this person and driving them to pick up the phone and call you. And that, going forward, is pretty much our roadmap for what we're trying to address. The last element in BANT timeline, what does their decision time frame? This is one that a lot of people skip over. Um, so everything else looks good, but come to find out the person's not actually ready for six months. And while that may be disappointing, the truth is you still gotta follow up. So BANT's kind of a basic framework. There's other ways, a lot of different ways to skin a cat, but that's just something that's a helpful point of reference when I'm thinking about qualification and discovery. Yeah, interesting. So you actually, you bring some acronyms. That's really good. And it, it does make a lot of sense. Um, you know, one thing, I, I, I have a good, good, solid experience as a consumer, right? As a, as, a, as a president of a company, I get approached by, you know, many uh, different solutions to sell to me, just like, you know, people selling to you, people sell to me as well. And what I've found is rarely, if any time, I get properly, I get proper discovery done by any of the salespeople who approach me. Uh, they do a good job of listening and not interrupting. Very few people interrupt me, but I find that they're just waiting to say the next thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just biding their time, can't wait to speak over me, and as soon as I finish my statement about what our requirements are, they launch into this, into the spiel of how great their software tool pro, you know, product is, and and I, I, and I, and I really, it just does not touch me. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of disappointed, to be honest with you, with the salesmanship, uh, the quality of the salesmanship of today's, um, of, to, of today's people. So you, you have an absolute opportunity here to, to compete effectively just by the fact that your discovery is solid and you emotionally connect with the, uh, with the person with the property. Because they have a problem. They're calling you because they have a problem. They're not going to tell you what that is until you become their friend, right? Until this makes sense to them that, that you are there to listen and not lead with discounts, not rush them off the phone and send them a contract, uh, not move on to the next one, but really take your time. And I actually do, and sorry, Jordan, I'm, it's a monologue here, <laughs> but I actually have something to say on this. I teach classes in my um, pro in, in property management shops, uh, sales, sales classes, and what I found, one is the biggest thing is somebody asked me this, and this was a kind of really revealing question. They say, Alex, so I know you talk a lot about discovery, but how long should the discovery be? When should I know when to get off the phone? And I, and, and my answer, and this is a valid question. I don't, bring me, I don't mean to bring down the person. It's a great question. The answer is the longer you stay on the phone, the more likelihood you will get the deal. So if you stay on the phone, I, I say my thing is this. If you stay on the phone for 30 minutes, you have 50% chance to close that deal. 
If you stand on the phone for 45 minutes, you have, you have probably 75 to 100% chance to close the deal. People like to be heard. Mm. And some people are short, you know, some dis- thorough discovery can be done in 15 minutes. Like 10 to 15 minutes, but that's, that's u- usually short people who are busy at work. People, you know, a good 30-minute conversation, you know you had a quality call. If you had anything on 30 minutes, you really didn't do very, uh, you didn't really try very hard. Okay. That's a really interesting way to look at it. I haven't thought about that, but that makes so much sense. Even from the obvious level of, you think about a lead that comes in, let's say through like a lead vendor, like all property management, and they're going to have a couple of conversations. Mathematically, nobody even has time to have four 45-minute conversations with four different property managers. No way. Once you've had that conversation, you're locked in. People want to go with the decision and just cut their losses and just go with what works and what they where they feel like they have established trust. You're right. And... and- the true, the true art here is caring. That's all, right? <laughs> right. And this is the, the people say, okay, well, they ask me what my fee is. Like, what my fee is. How do I overcome what, what is your fee question? Well, it is very easy, to be honest with you, if you really care, right? So your, your answer is simply, you know, we do have a different programs for different types of property owners, depending on where you are in a lifetime or in ownership of your property. Let me ask you, how long have you had the house for? That's it. You lead with that one question. You let them, you ask a simple one. Don't ask them for their social security number right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you know, you to date a little bit before you, you go for the close. Uh, but, you know, you ask them how long they own the property for, how they came to be a landlord. You know, start really, start from kind of far away and, and build your questioning, um, um, you know, build your discovery into a full, full duplex conversation where both people are engaged. And you, and when you do listen, take take notes, understand what the pain points, interpret what they say, and validate and ask them questions. I like to the, the concept of peeling, mm-hmm. uh, continue to peel peel the conversation because again, really, they're not going to tell you what the problem is, they're not going to tell you what they care about, and they don't know what to ask. So you having a conversation with a person who doesn't know what to ask, nor they uh, are ready to you know tell, tell talk to you about their pain points. So I think that was uh, that would that's that's what the first step I would take is uh, uh, you know train myself on absolute care um, during discovery and execute that and take notes and uh, that's going to be your first differentiator. Love it, very 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 smart. Next point on the list here, Alex. I believe we had presentation up next. Well, so right, discovery has been com- right. Discovery is done. Um, now you really want to kind of talk to them about your products and services. So, Jordan, how would you approach presentation? Great, great question. So just differentiating, some people are wondering how is this even different, discovery from presentation. So the presentation is after we have established trust, after we have found the genuine needs that we are now trying to specifically target via our presentation, now we're sitting down to finally start talking about us as opposed to leading out talking about us. And once we're in that mode, there's a couple of different things I would say here. The first is... Um, I'm going to use kind of a, a, an ugly word. A lot of people will recoil out, but have a script of some kind, at least a soft script. 
I, I understand where people get uncomfortable with the idea of a script when they think that you're going to sound like a teleprompter. Nobody wants to sound like a teleprompter. But a soft script is a couple of different things. It's basically bullet points of your unique value proposition, bullet points of basic Q&A, so what are the common questions, common responses, and bullet points of objections and responses. So it's not word for word, it's not verbatim, but it's a kind of a safe anchor, safe haven, and a reference point going through the conversation to cover all of your bases. Now past that, when we think about how we actually generate this, well, if you sat down, took the time, you can come up with one of these lists. But additionally, you should also be mining what's already happening. So the sales conversations that you're currently happening, if at all possible, those should be recorded because those recordings are a gold mine. And if you were have if you were recording all of your conversations and you went back over the last 30, took the time, did some research, you would find that you had a handful of calls that went incredibly well off the charts, a handful that went horrible, you never want to see happen again, and a lot somewhere in the middle. And so we've got to mine both the bad and the good to kind of refine this process. Um, that's, that's one basic mechanic for kind of building and tightening up your script is mining call recordings. Another thing to keep in mind here is to have sufficient sales collateral. And we define sales collateral as the assets that you use to move people towards the sale. So this is not necessarily like a pricing discount. This is like an actual uh, piece of uh, visual collateral. This could be a PDF, it could be a video, it could be any of those things where you're talking about your services, featuring happy customers, those sorts of things. And I'll reference a couple of specific points. One is testimonials and case studies. These make for fantastic sales collateral, very low threshold, not difficult or expensive to create. Alex, I mean, chime in here. People people get nervous about video, but I've seen you be a really strong advocate for the fact that video does not require hiring a film crew to create a decent video of a customer testimonial, for example. Am I right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm itching here because, you know, content is the lifeblood of our business, and, you know, it is not about production quality it is about again care how much do you care about your business you know are you a business owner that looks a bit uncomfortable on the video but delivers true value then you're the man right or you do you the woman i want to hire you um if you are afraid of the quality and stuff you know that's normal that's okay then have some other you know have your team do a introduction um have something like uh, uh like jordan says you know pdf some kind of a collateral beyond just, you know, a, a conversation and a thank you email. And follow-up is huge. Follow-up is such a big deal, but it can't be calling people and asking, are you ready to buy? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? We have to vary it. So talking about other forms of sales collateral, another one is the pitch deck. Alex, I know being here in kind of the Valley area, you know what I'm talking about when I'm yep. talking about a pitch deck. But for those of you that don't know, a pitch deck is basically a very quick summation, in this case, of your services, what you do, how you are unique, addressing key concerns and questions, etc. It's something that some companies neglect, uh, and I'm a believer in it because it allows you post-conversation to send something to people that they can stew on, review, show to others, and it's not your management agreement. A lot of people feel like if they're going to send something, they've got to send the management agreement. Maybe you do or you don't, but this is another option. Um, and it's it's an it's a opportunity to demonstrate quality 
Last thing I'll say in terms of sales collateral is having a presentation folder. So have a, a physical hard asset that when you uh, meet somebody at the property, screams high quality, legit organization. Ideally, this is a folder that actually has your logo on it. It has um, the other forms of sales collateral that we have just talked about. It could have case studies you know, infographics. I can think of a couple of companies that do this really well and have told me that it's made a really big difference in their ability to walk away and just feel like that they have a high degree of confidence that they've made a very strong impression that nobody else is, is going to top. Those are those are some of the high points for me when I think about the, the presentation. Really good. So those are really good takeaways and you can implement all or some or part. The beauty of sales is you have the opportunity to test your process every single time a new, you know, with a new prospect. So you can have a few times a day where you can test different methodologies and come up with it. But again, just like putting together your accounting uh, and trust accounting process and implementing tools and systems to manage your customers' money, you need to manage your prospect's ability to, uh, uh, you know, to hire you or your ability to, I guess, yeah, close prospects, and that's sales process. So we've done. Oh, you know what? Few things on presentation. One, one other thing. I, you know, and again, if you're, if you're, the, if you're the only one doing sales in your company, um, you know, you, you know more about your company and your offering than you know than anyone else, obviously, and you're passionate. So you know, having a, and you know, a bullet point list of what you're going to talk about. Is, can be beneficial so you don't forget to mention a couple things, but it's not as important as having that for your sales crew, right? But what, what, it is, what is important, if you're the only one selling, is making sure that you use discovery notes to truly pinpoint your presentation to, um, to, to address the pain points of your customers. For, so for example, if during the discovery you found out that they, uh, your, customer, your prospect owns two properties and one of them has a shaky tenant, the other one has a great tenant, right? At, during the presentation stage, you can say, look, so what we can do with the tenant that does not pay rent, we address it in this kind of way. I understand that you have a great tenant in your duplex um, and that's fine. We can just take over and start collecting rent. We give them ability to pay online and all these other advantages for your good tenant, but you want to address the bad tenant right away, right? So they don't really care about other things. Like that's their priority right now. That's what they care about. So you want to address that in the presentation. So pull out your notes from Discovery and care enough to address the specific issues mm. the customer is having. That's good. The prospect is having, right? And then, you know, you don't need, sometimes you'll close the deal right there, right? It, it, you don't even need to do the full presentation and, and just God forbid you sp speak after yes, right? <laughs> you want to do a bit of a trial close here. You want to say, okay, so what do you think? And just stop talking, right? What do you think? They say, well, um, I, I need to know more about this. Well, then you, you continue to present, right? But if your question is, what do you think? And the answer is, you know what? I think I think we can go ahead and move forward. At this time, you know, it doesn't matter that you have 16 other features. You're just going to talk yourself out of the sale. That's what's going to happen, I promise you. Because they're going to find a reason why they don't want to sign with you for your eviction protection services, whatever they, those are. Um, and the thing is that, you know, you can tell them a little bit more later about your services and expand on it and upsell them on other things. But... When they say yes, all you got to do is ask, you know, which program are you doing and let me send you the agreement. That's that's so good, Alex. I've heard it said that you don't want to start selling until you have established trust and you want to stop selling as soon as they're ready to buy. 
kind of two 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 reference points there. But that that makes a ton of sense. Super helpful. I've made that mistake countless times in the past, and I just can't learn. I keep I keep trying to add value to the conversation and talk myself out of sales. I've done that before, and I, I felt miserable. And they some of them finally came in. Some of them didn't come in at all. So um, I'm uh, I've removed that bad habit, and I suggest you do as well. So you know you picked up the phone, you called them back. You've got a successful, healthy, you know, good discovery. You've taken some notes. You've scheduled the presentation. You've presented your solution. What do you do next? We kind of touched upon it with a trial close in the middle of presentation. Jordan, give us what would you what, what you recommend for the closing, the practice of closing. Yeah. So Alex, I know you've um, seen the 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 shirts here, the always be closing shirts that we produce for our customers. Those yep. are fun, and we love those. But when you think about this phrase, always be closing, what we don't mean by that is the idea of high pressure sales. What we do mean by that is viewing everything that you're doing as contributing to the close. So that everything from calling somebody back quickly to having a great discovery process. So all that to say, we want to lead with value. We don't want to pressure people, and we don't want to uh, be overly repetitive in, in going after folks, but we want to lead with value, establish trust, and then we've done that, you have to make the ask. And this isn't a problem that everybody has. Some people fall into the ditch on being on the pushy side, but there are other people that just feel uncomfortable with the explicit ask. And Alex, you said it a couple of seconds ago, put the ask out there and just be silent. Stop talking. People will... Uh, if, if either either you'll get a yes or you'll get a firm no, but a lot of times if you get the no, people will communicate what their remaining uh, issues are, and that's an opportunity to allow them to to talk, to get that out on the table, and to continue moving forward. So just remember to uh, to sell your ask off. That's the bottom line. Sell your ask off. That's pretty good. Uh, one thing on closing, I would say that you probably most of us underestimate the power of silence. You just thought probably something was wrong with this podcast, right? The three, the two seconds that we went offline for a second here, you know, it, that, that gave you pause. Probably if you weren't listening, you are listening now because this is an uncom- you know, unusual, uncommon pause in a podcast. Well, same thing with your prospect. When you uh, position the ask and you, you, you stay quiet, the, you know, the, the common courtesy that's not allow somebody to just say no and also be quiet. They're not gonna do that. They're gonna, they gonna, if they do say no, it's gonna be an objection, right? They're gonna, mm-hmm. they, they're gonna basically try to justify their no to you. And now they're selling to you, right? And all you have to do is overcome that objection, address it, you know, go back to the discovery and remind them what their pain point was, remind them how you address it, make sure they understand and ask again. So I think the power of pause would be a good one to use during close. Um, and not just in sales, you know, just in life, life in general. Let your, let your yay be yay and your no be no. And yeah, it's, it's just good advice across the board. <laughs> I, I think so. I might start using it myself. No, I'm just kidding. It's been, it's been implemented. It's been tested. It, is, it works. Um, so all right. So we do the close. Um, I, think, I think close is the easiest. You know why? Because we've done such a good job at discovery. I mean, we feel really connected to that person. We present it. We know we're a fit. We know we want to get that business. They know they want to work with us. The close should be really a natural next step. Um, but what most people don't do is the next step, and that is follow up. Yep. Actually, having a coherent plan 
for staying in front of people. Let's say you have done all of these things. You're a true sales ninja. You don't need our podcast. You just, it's baked into your DNA. And yet, you're a busy person. You have a, wearing a lot of different hats, juggling a lot of different things, and for whatever reason, you don't have a structured process in your follow-up. That's where uh, things tend to fall apart. So really what I advocate is just having, uh, first acknowledging what you're doing right now, defining it as being the new process, and then asking if we need to improve that process in some way. So just A, acknowledging the raw reality of how frequently and with what kind of a cadence are we currently following up with people, and then how can we improve that because having some kind of a baseline to improve and optimize off of is the first step towards actually having a better program. Past that, everybody has a different uh, format and style and yours is going to be different than ours. We personally have an opinion on this. If you go to the Lead Simple website, we do have a 10 touch 20 day model that we put out for our customers to use, but there's a lot of different ways to, to skin a cat. But what's most important is actually having a plan in place and using it. Yeah, so we're going to close with this. Um, you know, following up is, is again, is that major differentiator. I don't think it's as big as discovery, to be honest with you. I think still discovery is going to be by far your biggest differentiator. And how are you going to win all the business, give me a call back or Jordan and say that this podcast helped. And by the way, really appreciate any kind of feedback. Uh, even bad, right? But the follow-up is going to be that next differentiator, Right. If you, if you mess up the presentation and close, you still have the follow-up left. That's good, right? So continue to uh, um, communicate to the prospect the most efficient manner that you want their business. Now, mind you, you need to understand that this this is somebody you want to work with, right? If you, if, you, if you did not want to work with that person, don't bother following up. But you need to institute a process. And you can check out Lead Simple. Uh, Jordan's got some good good literature on that. Um, but then you can adapt it, right? You can... Just, just install it as it is, right, as it's recommended, and then you can adapt it to yourself. But that means doing work. That means sitting down once, two, three times a week and going through your call list, right? Updating you, stages. Yeah, you, you, you got to. I mean, again, this is back in the napkin stuff too, right? Or if it's in Excel or if it's in Lead Simple, whatever the system you use, you have to take, do the work, do the work, meaning that pick up the phone, call them, ask them how they are, ask them if they're ready to move forward and what happened to their house, you know, send them an email. And that diligence, that consistency is going to bring you the kind of results in business that you want to have. And it's a narrowing field, Alex, right? I mean, wouldn't we say this is more or less like a, it's like a, uh, a, a long endurance race that more and more people drop out of over time. So if they're having a couple of conversations with a couple of vendors, after a couple of follow-ups, you gotta you have a few salespeople that are just completely checked out. So by the time that you're actually staying in touch with that person three, four months later, you're probably gonna be the only person that still is in the running and even taking the time to, to care and to follow up with them. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we got, we got a good uh, blueprint here for folks to implement. Let me just kind of re- um, uh, take, a, take a step back and just kind of reemphasize discovery, presentation, close, and follow-up. That's it. Four steps. Let's not overcomplicate things. Uh, Jordan, thank you very much for sitting down with me. Tell people where they can find you. So you can find us at leadsimple.com. We've got some great information there specifically on the sales course, and you can check it out at leadsimple.com. Thanks, Jordan. It's a pleasure having you here. Pleasure being here, Alex. Alex.